Between the sixth and seventh seal in the book of Revelation, we have an interlude, a chapter that separates the sixth and seventh seal. And what happens in that chapter is very intriguing, and it relates to the timing of the rapture. We have the sealing of the 144,000 and a great multitude that appears in heaven. The timing is intriguing. The hope there is deep. And we'll learn more about that today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, and podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Revelation 7, the 144,000 and the Great Multitude. When Jesus comes, that will be the day of the Lord. It'll be the day when the Lord Jesus is revealed in power and great glory. And Noah and Lot are two illustrations of how that day will be. There will be a lot of preaching like there is today, a lot of warning. There will be the seals that have been broken. There will be the 70th week of Daniel we've been talking about. And Jesus goes on. He says, on that day, 31 Luke 17, let not the one who's on the housetop, uh, who, is in the, who is on the housetop and whose goods are in the house go down to take them away. Likewise, not let the one who is in the field turn back. What's he say? Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to keep his life shall lose it. Whoever loses his life shall preserve it. I tell you, on that night, there will be two men in one bed. One will be taken. The Greek word is paralambano. This is important. I'm going to spell it for you. Para, P-A-R-A, lambano is L-A-M-B-A-N-O. Just write that down. Paralambano is the Greek word. One will be taken, paralambano. The other will be left. There will be two women grinding at the same place. One will be taken, paralambano. The other will be left. This is, uh, we're not sure if this is original. That's why it's bracketed. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, paralambano, the other will be left. And answering, they said to him, where, Lord? And he said to them, where the body is, there also will will the vultures be gathered. Jesus is saying once again, it's going to be an obvious thing, just like the plain as the nose on your face. One will be taken, the other left. Taken to what? Paralambano is only used, I think, about six times by Jesus in regard to old, excuse me, in, in regard to future events as uh, related to the second coming. Uh, Jesus uses it in John 14. He says, I go and prepare a place for you, and I will receive you to myself, paralambano, receive you to myself, that where I am there, you may be what? Also. Paralambano is the idea of bringing someone close to you. It has the idea of intimate fellowship. One will be taken one will be left. Now, I know some people have tried to argue that one taken is taken in judgment and the other one left is, is left or preserved. I don't think that that's what it's saying here. I think it's very obvious in the flow of the context with the illustrations of Noah and Lot, the one taken is taken out before what comes, the judgment. Do you remember how I called this boom, boom eschatology? Didn't you all love that? Here's what I think is going on. It's righteous out, judgment on the wicked. Noah and Lot. Everybody got it? 
Those are the illustrations Jesus gave. The Greek word for taken is paralambano. It's not taken in judgment. It's taken to the Lord. It's taken to his uh, bosom, if you will. It's where I am there, you may be also. You will be taken or rescued before the judgment comes. The people of God have not been appointed to wrath. Aren't you glad? Before the wrath comes, God will take his people out from danger. Now, this is what Revelation 7 is all about. All of that was preamble. That means preliminary. (laughs) That is why I said, we'll see if we get through Revelation 7 tonight. But now here's what we all want to see. We know that we've come to what seal? Seal number six. I showed you how seal number seven, the famous seventh seal, is not broken until Revelation 8. So between Revelation 6 and Revelation 8, we have, for all you mathematicians, Revelation 7. So what would we expect if the order is chronological? And you'll, you can read a bunch of commentaries and then people say, it is chronological, it's not chronological. Well, the beginning of chapter 7, verse 1 said, after this, right? So I take that as chronological and, I, and I'm going to show you why. Before you can have the wrath of God come, we've been watching this principle that the people of God are not appointed to wrath. Now, I've made a distinction between persecution and wrath. I've made a distinction between tribulation and wrath. They're two different things. Tribulation, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Anybody have a tough day lately? Just raise up your hand. Anybody Anybody tribulate lately? Somebody call you up. How's your day? I'm tribulating. It's biblical. We all go through tribulation, right? We all have trouble. Another way to say tribulation is pressure or trouble. There's a distinction between tribulation and even great tribulation, which is the Greek word megas, big or you know, wide or larger tribulation, and wrath. I have made the case for you that the first five seals and then even the sign of the coming of the Son of Man, which is uh, the sixth seal, is not God's wrath. You've had war, famine, pestilence. You've had uh, the Antichrist, uh, war, famine, pestilence, death. The fifth seal was martyrs who will not recant their faith in Christ. We have not really seen the wrath of God come. In fact, the martyrs underneath the altar have been saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you, what? Avenge our blood on those on the earth. How long until you wait? How much longer until you judge? And they were told, wait a little while longer until the full number comes in. They were told to rest a little while longer. And so the judgment, in my view, has not come yet, but it's about to come. But something has to happen before it comes. And right now the angels are holding back the wind It's kind of like restraint. Not yet. Hold on. Wait. The worldwide judgment is coming, but hold on. And I saw another angel, Revelation 7, verse 2, ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal, the Greek word is sphragos, of the living God. We as Christians are sealed with what? We're sealed with the Holy Spirit 
unto the day of Christ. By the way, I think the day of Christ, Ephesians 4.29, is the day of the Lord. I think it's just another way of saying it. So how long are you sealed till? Until the day of Christ. You're secure. If you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, you're secure. You'll be sealed until the day when he shows up and all this stuff happens. And you're going to be grateful to have the seal. Amen? But here's what it says. And I think, of course, this is distinct from the seal of the Holy Spirit. But he had the seal of the living God, and he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. Uh, They're about to execute God's judgment. He said, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until what? Until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. Don't release the wrath until these individuals called bondservants, the Greek word is doulos or douloi. We have the Hebrew idea of an eved, that's the bondservant, the voluntary slave of God. Don't do it. Don't harm anything. Don't release the wrath until these bondservants are sealed on their forehead. That's verse 3. They've got to be sealed before uh, this occurs. Now, some of you have looked at the idea of a seal, and when you see a seal, it's the idea of two main ideas, ownership and protection. So in the ancient world, when someone sealed something, like the tomb of Jesus was sealed, remember? And they, they, that was, you can't break the seal. Jesus has been dealing with what? The scroll that has how many? Seven seals on it. So a seal speaks of ownership. It speaks of protection. It speaks of authority. And there's an interesting passage in Ezekiel I want to take you to that uh, has a similar happening. So go to the Psalms and Proverbs Pass them up, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Just before Daniel, chapter 9. Ezekiel, chapter 9. Ezekiel is a contemporary of Daniel and uh, other prophets. And here's the setting. The um, prophecies are coming that Jerusalem is going to be destroyed by the hand of God because of wickedness and idolatry. There's even terrible wickedness going on in the temple. That's Ezekiel chapter 8. And so the way the judgment's going to come is through an army. And do you remember what army comes in the 500s BC? It's the Babylonian army. Just just remember Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia. That's how it goes down in history. And so this is the Babylonian invasion. Before this can occur, Ezekiel 9.1 says these words. Then he cried out in my hearing with a loud voice, and he said, Draw near, O executioners of the city, each with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, Ezekiel 9.2, six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his shattering weapon in his hand. And among them was a certain man clothed in linen with a writing case at his loins. And they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Then the glory of the God of Israel went up from the cherub, on which it had been, to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed in linen, at whose loins was the writing case. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, mark that, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations which are being committed in its midst. Now, Jerusalem is about to be sacked by Nebuchadnezzar. This is a major happening, 586 B.C. 
But before it occurs, something happens here in Ezekiel 9. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Do you remember what army comes in the 500s B.C.? It's the Babylonian army. Just, just remember Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia. That's how it goes down in history. And so this is the Babylonian invasion. Before this can occur, Ezekiel 9.1 says these words. Then he cried out in my hearing with a loud voice, and he said, Draw near, O executioners of the city, each with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, Ezekiel 9.2 Six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his shattering weapon in his hand. And among them was a certain man clothed in linen with a writing case at his loins. And they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Then the glory of the God of Israel went up from the cherub on which it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed in linen at whose loins was the writing case. And the Lord said to him, go through the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, mark that, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations which are being committed in its midst. Now, Jerusalem is about to be sacked by Nebuchadnezzar. This is a major happening, 586 BC. But before it occurs, something happens here in Ezekiel 9. And these these ones are told... We need to mark the people that are sighing and upset and devastated by the abominations happening here in the temple area. Remember when Jesus comes on the scene, what's the temple area look like? Is it it truly honoring God? Jesus said, you have made my father's house a house of merchandise. You've made it a den of thieves. This place is supposed to be a house of prayer for All the nations, right? You've made it a a robber's den. Similar happenings here at the time that Nebuchadnezzar comes in, and these are to be marked on their foreheads. These who see the terrible things going on and do not approve. Everybody look at the word mark in verse 4. That word mark is tav, T-A-V. Just write it down, T-A-V. So God is the alpha and what? Omega, In Hebrew, he is the Aleph Tav, 
The first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet are Aleph and Tav. Everybody remember what the Tav looks like, especially in the ancient Hebrew language? The Tav looks like what? A cross. Everyone who is going to be marked in the city with this mark is the Hebrew word Tav, and it looks like a cross. This is a long time before Jesus is born in Bethlehem. This is a long time before we as Christians, you know, celebrate a cross on which Jesus died. We preach the message of the cross. In fact, Jewish graves are marked with the Tav before we even knew about crucifixions. This was happening. Imagine this. The people in the city who are being marked for preservation before the judgment comes are being marked with crosses on their foreheads. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born in Bethlehem. What? Do you remember in the Exodus, before God was going to pass over the 10th plague, they were, to- they were told, we, uh, you are instructed to kill a lamb at twilight, and you're to put the blood of the lamb where? On the doorpost, on the lintel. You're to mark the house. There's two words. Uh, here we have tav. The other Hebrew word is ot. And it's really interesting how this all ties together. But you're to mark the doorposts and the lentil. I told you that you can easily see in the sign of the cross there. You're to mark the door with blood, the blood of the lamb. And in so doing, God says, when I pass over, if I see the blood, I will what? I will not judge that household. Do you know that the second coming of Jesus Christ is really another Passover? Think about it. He is coming again, and everyone who is marked by the Lamb for ownership and protection will not experience the wrath of God. Those who do not have the mark, who have not been sealed by the Spirit of God or by the living God, what will they experience? The wrath of God. Now, how did this happen? Well, this is, you have to argue this is symbolic in some way because the way that the judgment occurred in Jerusalem was through Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar actually became God's instrument of judgment. I would argue that the same thing happened in 70 AD. Jesus said that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. Do you see all these buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another that will not be thrown down. Amen? Jesus said that. In less than 40 years when he spoke those words, Jerusalem fell to the ground by virtue of what? The Roman armies led by Titus Vespasian in AD 70. This is all, this is all world history. The vehicle by which the judgment came was the Roman army, which tells us something about the judgment of God, that sometimes the judgment of God happens through means that We'd say, well, there's a war, there's something going on, but God is behind that. And uh, of course, I'm, I'm telling you there's going to be supernatural happenings in these last days, but here's back to Revelation 7. Uh, there's some of the parallels of the mark, the tav, the people who are marked. Now, here's the number of these individuals, and I'm going to have to probably do this chapter in two parts, we'll see, but... Look at Revelation 7, verse 4. I heard the number, Revelation 7, 4, of those who were sealed. 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, I'm sorry, it it doesn't say that. Excuse me. That was mean, I'm sorry. 
Now you might say, why do the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that they, and, and when I say they, I have to qualify it because all those who would be part of 144,000 are now gone. So they believe the 144,000 are the only ones who can be born again, go directly to heaven, dot, dot, dot. You can go back and listen to those teachings. But where do they get this? Well, read the verse. It says it's 144,000 sealed from what? Every tribe of the sons of Israel. Now, I will say this. To give our Jehovah's Witness friends a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, there are Christian commentators that do not take this phrase literally. They believe that the 144,000 here represents the church or the church at that age to come or over the history of redemption from the cross till whenever it all ends. I'm just going to say to you, I do not agree with that interpretation. I think what you're going to see is a clear distinction between the 144,000 and the great multitude. And there's going to be contrast between the two. And I'm going to take the language just for what it says. There are 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. I don't have any reason when I'm interpreting the Bible here to take that in any other way than in a literal sense. Now, someone will say, though, is the 144,000 literal? Because you do have 12s, right? You have 12 tribes. You have 12 sons of Jacob. And if you take 12 times 12, for those of you who are speed mathematicians back in the early grades, 12 times 12 is what? 144. I used to win those math contests. Well, I should say, there was a smart, really geeky guy. I always came in second. <laughs> anyway, never mind. I don't even know why I went there. But, you know, your times tables, right? So 12 times 12 is 144. So some people say, no, this is a symbolic number, and it's not necessarily just 144,000 Jewish people. Okay, I won't live and die with that, and I don't know if it really matters, but is there a reason to take the number symbolically? I don't know. I'll let you wrestle with the 12s and what you think, and whether it's literally to a T, 144,000 or not. You can read commentators who, you know, will go back and forth on that and they'll disagree. But here's what we do know. They're from every tribe of the sons of Israel. And they are being sealed. You know, we can debate little details about the book of Revelation, but something significant about what I just said about Israel, 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe tells you about God's ongoing commitment to the people and the nation of Israel. And this is significant in light of different theological perspectives. But here you can see that the Lord seals 12,000 from each tribe of his people because God has made an unconditional covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, and he will finish what he started in Israel. And that's amazing. And that's why we need to keep our eyes on Israel and specifically Jerusalem as we consider last day's events. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance. And remember, you can purchase my DVD teachings in Revelation on our online store when you visit walkintruth.com. The one we're currently broadcasting in Revelation 7, the 144,000 and the great multitude deals with the sealing of people from Israel and the great multitude of the church ending up in heaven in the rapture. 
A lot of interesting content here. You can get the DVD teaching in Revelation 7 called The 144,000 and the Great Multitude. When you go to walkintruth.com and just click on that store tab, you can check out that product and other products and partner with us in expanding this ministry and keeping us on the air as we minister the good news to the folks that are listening. Hey, I'd like to invite you out to tomorrow night's worship service at 7 p.m. at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. I'm going to be teaching in the book of Job, chapter 11, as we continue to look at the problem of evil and the power of the gospel in the incredible book of Job. Hard questions are asked in the book of Job. Difficulty, people trying to figure out what's going on, Job's so-called comforters. In the end, God was doing something in the heavenlies, something that we can profit from as we uh, look at Job's life and his response to suffering. If you want to come on out for that midweek service, the church is Living Truth Christian Fellowship. The address is 1009, that's 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. We'd love to have you. Get into your Bible, come out to a midweek service, meet some new folks if you're anywhere near Corona. Come on out. You can find out information, direction, service times, other things that we're doing at Living Truth by downloading the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Remember to look for that red logo with the pillars. Now come back tomorrow. We'll conclude the first half of the teaching in Revelation 7 about the 144,000 and the great multitude. Incredible stuff ahead of us. Keep us in prayer, and we'll catch you next time. Remember, to learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, podcast, or to donate, visit walkintruth.com. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.